Hi, it's Father Rick, and I want to welcome you to St. Michael's Episcopal Church. I'm really glad you found us. Please know that we accept you wherever you are on your spiritual journey, and we trust that God will take you where you need to be, right in God's timing. We're just glad that you're here with us, and we hope you enjoy today's sermon. God bless. May we have eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to respond. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Good morning. I don't know about you, but there are certain cultural trends that drive me nuts. But there's one that gets under my skin like no other, and that is the modern interpretation of blessing. Hashtag blessed. If you're on social media or live in the South, wink, wink, it's hard to escape. Bless her heart. Sometimes in our culture, we consider ourselves blessed if are you a homeowner? Blessed. Stock market surges? Blessed. Good knees? Blessed. College educated? Blessed. And then there's Christian media that produces mugs, shirts, Bible studies, commanding, I'm too blessed to be stressed. You know, stress spelled backwards is desserts. Somehow, Blessing in our culture is understood to be a prize earned, and in order to be blessed, our lives must be free from strife, free from burden, and free from discomfort. Personally speaking, as wonderful as it is to have a swimming pool in my backyard, have little concern for feeding my daughter, and a loving, supportive husband, I must ask myself, does my understanding of blessing align with God's desire for God's creation, our human family, the kingdom? Well, what is blessing? As a seminarian, I'll attempt to refrain from a long biblical language lesson. However, the original languages give us a clear image of what it means to be blessed. The Greek word makarios means to be fully satisfied, fully integrated with God. It refers to those receiving God's favor regardless of the circumstances. I recently read that happiness can come from without and can be dependent on luck or circumstances, whereas blessedness spews forth from the soul and it's fed by an inward fountain of joy which no outward circumstances can seriously affect. Jesus, being Jewish, I think it's important for us to be familiar with the Hebrew term for blessing, Barak. Believe it or not, the letters cannot be separated for the word for knees or kneel. Anyone struggling with knee problems know how much harder life is when those knees just aren't functioning to their fullest capacity. And there's good reason for that. The knees support the whole weight of the body. 
in the similar way that God's blessings may support or encourage us, especially when it feels as though the weight of the world is on our shoulders. The knee is also a pivotal hinge joint that provides the body with flexibility and stability. God's blessings can give us greater mobility, flexibility, and stability in life, even when we are at the end of our rope. Scripture shows that blessing is anything God gives that makes us fully satisfied in God. Anything that draws us closer to Jesus, anything that helps us surrender the temporal and hold on more tightly to the eternal. From the beginning, the Gospel of Luke paints a picture for us of the Beatitudes that is familiar and yet very different from Matthew. Firstly, Jesus is not high up on a mountain looking down at the people who are eagerly awaiting his arrival. Instead, Christ comes down the mountain with them at a level place. He stood with them at a level place. The lineage of the crowd that Jesus is addressing had been marginalized and oppressed for over 400 years, desperately yearning for freedom. Jesus is there to bring them hope and salvation. You see, the Roman Empire was not as it should have been. Inherited sin and damaged social relationships perpetuated ethnocentrism, racism, and classism. The Romans and the temple authorities heavily taxed those under their jurisdiction, placing unbearable financial burdens on the poor and ethnic minority who found themselves further and further away from thriving. Equitable access to food, medical care, and safety was but a dream. They were surviving. They were told where to live, how to live there. They were forced to adopt Roman names, wear their hair and clothing according to the Roman customs. Not of their own free will, but at the discretion of Imperial Rome. And yet, Pax Romana, or Roman peace, is still a story many believe to be true. While the Roman Empire experienced advances in material wealth, conquered land, and accomplished much with arts and infrastructure, the myth of Pax Romana was and is perpetuated on the backs of those who were exploited to do so. Rome would have probably considered themselves blessed, and the Hebrew people, not so much. But... In today's gospel, Jesus challenges our understanding of what it means to be blessed, just as he did with the people over 2,000 years ago. Jesus had a countercultural way of engaging with the world, and as his beloved disciples, we too are invited into his way, truth, and life that is most often counter to the culture we live and work. The good news Jesus proclaims for us and for all people is that humans are not graded on a sliding scale of worthiness. 
Our worth is not based on what we're able to produce, consume, our gender, race, sexuality, vocation, nationality, or any other man-made construct. I think we all truly believe that all people are created equally in God's image. And God sees us all through that lens of love. But I suspect that all of us are very aware of the reality that not all are seen by others with that same loving glance. It was true for the way Romans saw the Jewish people, and it was also true for how the Jewish people saw the Gentiles. The Beatitudes are what the kingdom of God is like, not how our world is. When Jesus speaks, he affirms their worth as children of God, that God has not forgotten them, but favors them. Jesus speaks words of comfort to the people gathered who are hungry for life and desperate for the systems that oppress them to be overthrown and to be healed from the generational trauma that they have endured. God has intentionally brought people together to this specific place for liberation. The good news is that we can't have Jesus without justice. God's justice makes all things right, turning life as we know it on our heads, a holy reversal. His proclamation and promises of blessing are a communal experience. He invites them and us into a new kingdom reality, free from the constraints of human reality. Fullness of life comes from our ability to be vulnerable and to trust God. While this message of the Beatitudes is for all, it is a specific message for those in our communities who are disenfranchised and marginalized for the oppressed. Dominique Du Bois Gilliard states that privilege must have a missional purpose to expand the kingdom and sacrificially love our neighbors. Then we can be co-laborers with Christ, to whom much is given, much is required. Blessings from Almighty God are meant to flow through us, not to us. How is God working through me? Through us at St. Michael's. I think it's good and joyful to say that our St. Michael's community has been blessed and we are blessing others with the riches that God has gifted us. We have the ability to feed thousands of hungry bellies each year, to give hundreds of pairs of jeans to those in need of appropriate work clothes, love families in Finca 6. We have opened our hearts to assist the local public schools and women escaping violence, and the list goes on. Nevertheless, Every scripture reading this morning confronts the kingdom reality of blessings and woes. Jesus knew that we needed to wash our wounds. But before we wash them, we must acknowledge that we have wounds in the first place. 
My father David is a man who will give the shirt off of his back to anyone who needs it. Do you know someone like that? Are you someone like that? Even when we did not have much monetarily, he never hesitated to help those with less. My father is what we would call a self-made man, but he will tell you that all he earned is from God and that whatever we end up having in this life, we cannot take it with us. To be honest, I never understood the depth of why or how he gave so much and so freely to others until I began serving with an organization called iDignity. For those who don't know, iDignity is an organization in Central Florida which restores hope to people by providing them identification. As an intake volunteer, I was one of the first people those in line saw when going through the vulnerable process of applying for ID. During intake, we had to ask very personal questions about someone's housing status, where they slept last night, had they ever been in the foster care system. For most, the start of meeting with me, their eyes would be looking down, their posture would be slumped, and the shame which confronted many of their realities would overtake them. More times than not, I offered my hands in care, their hands in mine, assuring them that they were safe with me. As they began to trust me, more of our lives would be shared. They blessed me by calling my attention to the needs of communities I thought I had no part of. One man in particular, who was the same age as my own father, sat abruptly in front of me. He had piercing blue eyes, was abrasive and gruff, smelled of cigarettes and dirt, and could care less about what anyone thought of him. He had just been released that day from serving a 25-year prison sentence for murder, and he needed ID to apply for housing. I had never sat face to face with someone who had taken another human being's life. So at first, I was shaken. However, as he started to share with me his heartbreaking story, the shield was lifted from my heart, and I was able to see him for the human he was, for the child of God he is. When we were about to finish, we prayed together, and I had a feeling I would see him again. You see, after meeting this man, I was then called to volunteer with a group who went to various homeless camps situated in the woods, not too far from here. It was there that I met this man again, and he remembered me. He came up to me and he gave me a big hug, and he shared with me that he had been able to attain housing, and it was his last week to live in the woods. When he shared his good news, I knew in my heart that it was good news for all of us. He was blessed and so was I. The Reverend Jackie Lewis said beautifully, who I will be is deeply related to who you are. 
In other words, we are each impacted by the circumstances that impact those around us. What hurts you hurts me. What heals you heals me. Scripture makes it abundantly clear that it is God and God alone who can best align our lives and realities to make us whole, to give us a life worth living, a life most human. In the Beatitudes, Jesus is not only inviting us into God's blessing, but he is also asking us to hold the woes with it. And that is the most uncomfortable part. Why is Jesus warning us with the woes in Luke's Beatitudes? It is my understanding that Jesus is encouraging his disciples to look for God in all places of their lives, especially places of power where God seems to be missing. There's no way around it. As far as Luke's Jesus is concerned, God's favor does not solely rest on the well-fed, the well-off, and the well-liked. It rests on those who have absolutely nothing to fall back on but God. How am I supposed to wrestle with that? Well, I have to come clean about when I am and when I am not in most desperate need for God. Do we come to God when we are full and satisfied? Or are we most likely to be on our knees when we are ever aware of our emptiness and in need of blessing and anointing? When we follow Jesus and place the kingdom above all else, we find joy that is eternal. We are reorienting our perspectives on matters of the law and who has value. I think that if there's anything we have learned from the COVID pandemic, it's that each of us has lived or will live lives of both blessings and woes. It is not either or. Jesus is saying that this is a both and tension situation, a tension of truth. Blessed are you who are poor, hungry, sad, and expendable. Why? Because you have everything to look forward to. Because the kingdom of God is yours. Because God is the God of those who have nothing but him. Blessed are those who starve for justice and cry for peace, for they will be joyful. Blessed are those who live into the countercultural gospel reality of love, for their reward is a healing human world. Woe. Woe to those who have everything they need, for there will come a time when they also weep for the healing balm of blessing. The greatest blessing God can gift us is helping us to see our need for wholeness in Christ. Out of love, he will take away the desire for blessings we are prone to seek, replacing them with the greater blessing of living into God's love of resurrection reality. 
This is an invitation. This is an invitation to sip from the saucer when our cup overflows. This is an opportunity to praise and worship God while being the hands and feet of Christ, doing all for the sake of the other. This is a celebration of life everlasting and the great blessings that God has entrusted to us. We do not need to touch Jesus for his power to heal us, but we must die to what separates us from God and others to be fully resurrected with him. We are returning to love and abiding there. Thank you for being vulnerable with me this morning. St. Michael's, we are blessed to be a blessing. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you liked today's message, please subscribe to our podcast and be sure to tell your friends. You may also check us out on YouTube at youtube.com backslash St. Michael's Orlando. Until next time, remember, God loves you with a love you did not earn, and therefore, you can never lose.